Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. So grateful to all have you have all of you joining us once again, wherever you find this show, via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all those great places. We just want to make sure that we hear feedback from all of you, what we're doing here on the show, and get some ratings out there, especially to the Apple podcast end of the spectrum so that we can also get more people to go ahead and find the show and talk about the things that are going on. Cause there is so much with my guests just before we got on here, so much to be discussed about when it comes to current events, the issues when it comes to, if you haven't heard from this program as of late, by now you will have already heard about if the language of the safe banking act comes into play into the latest round of stimulus bills, uh, the latest stimulus bill that's being proposed by House Democrats, the issues with possible legalization, if that might become ultimately a subject for the November election going forward, because we need to have certain options out there. I would imagine the government would want to have other options, or, the, or at least the Federal Reserve, the economy, would want to find something else to help continue to keep the economic boost, which this would be a great boost for everyone. Everybody knows that. And we know that from a lot of interviews here on Cannabis Radio, that is being said. But also, it comes down to the granularity, the numbers behind all that's going on when it comes to the industry and what's going forward. So I'm glad to go ahead and welcome back a guest that we had on last April. He is the leading provider of data and analytics to the cannabis industry. He's the founder and CEO of Headset, who recently announced the launch of an ongoing weekly report to make sense of the impacts to legal cannabis sales. That being said, won't you welcome everyone back to the program, Cy Scott. Cy, thanks for coming on back. Thanks for having me back, Brasco. Yeah, my pleasure. We had so much to go on. We'll go ahead and kind of point out what you had mentioned to us uh, in some of the reports you've come across with as we've been doing this in the last year. So first of all, let's talk about this report. It provides a week-to-week overview on how cannabis sales are affected by changes in regulations, consumer sentiments, and economic trends. You said this, quote, the COVID-19 pandemic has created a dynamic and shifting cannabis retail landscape. We felt the best way we could help our clients was to provide them with a better understanding of changing customer purchasing behaviors in order for them to supply their needs safely. So expand on what this report's going to include. Sure, sure thing. Yeah, it's it's quite uh, amazing to think about just, you know, a year ago being on this uh on this program and how much has changed uh, since then. Um, really, it all started back in March. And so this report really looks uh, historically. Uh, it started uh, you know, with all this news, essentially when it was dubbed a pandemic um, and really started measuring you know, what was the impact uh, all the way to today. And we continue to update the report because things are, are continuing to change. Um, the report basically is, is structured as a week over week analysis and kind of looking at different themes of the week. Uh, and it's it's a pretty uh, pretty cool way to look at it. I think it's kind of a unique narrative. Um, you know, we we go into things like, you know, when it was de- deemed a pandemic, how did you know purchase behavior change? Um, you know, what happened to inventory levels? You know, shortly after that, and how how were they impacted? Um, what are things like the the halt in tourism, and how did that impact certain markets like Colorado, which were still in the midst of their ski season, and, and places like Clark County that has um, you know Las Vegas, which a lot of 
80% of cannabis sales in Nevada go to Clark County. Not to mention is- California right now. That They just included the uh, expansion of three months of the uh, stay-at-home order. That has to be crushing for that part of the business. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, certainly, certainly. And, and yeah, so looking at all these different kind of um, angles week over week is really what the report's all about. And then, you know, what does this mean for operators, organizations that are in cannabis and how can they, you know, use this information to, to make better decisions, right? Make decisions around inventory carry, price points, kind of understanding consumer behavior shifts. You know, we're seeing some interesting things like more people doing delivery, more people doing pre-order pickup. And some of that is forced behavior. Um, you know, some markets are requiring that. Uh, other is just selected selective behavior by certain retailers and also just like safety, right? People uh, don't want to spend a lot of time in stores. You know, they're deciding to have it delivered or, or, or ordering online for pickup. Uh, so, you know, understanding how that will really impact your business is, is critical. So that's really what we're trying to highlight. And, and given that, um, you know, this stuff is changing week to week as as new regulations change, you know, as the, the stay-at-home orders are starting to ease up here in May, um, you know, really what is the, the long-term impact that some of these behavioral changes will have and how can you best be prepared? And that's really, you know, what we're, we're all about. I want to go and get into the report itself a little bit. A few things that you found initially in the, in the report. And just like you just said <coughs> right off the top was the peak in sales immediately after the national emergency was declared. So now sales across the U.S. started surging again as of April 15th, likely due to the rollout of federal stimulus checks. Strong sales volumes continued through the weekend up to 420. And with the economy starting to reopen, uh, talk to me about the kind of trends that you're seeing going forward in regards to an economic recovery industry-wide. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, so all of those things happen. You know, we saw a spike in sales. I mean, it really ranged from like 10 to 20% depending on market. You know, some states like Massachusetts actually closed down adult use. So it's not... Mm. Um, not everywhere the same. And there's just, you know, different um, dynamics that play in the different regions, Um, you know, but now things are starting to kind of develop into a new normal. I know, you know, you hear that term kind of batted around a lot, Uh, but they are, you know, sales. um, It was kind of like a a pattern, right? You'd imagine like Friday, Saturday sales kind of peaked. This is all prior to COVID, you know, dipping into Sunday, Monday and kind of ramping throughout the week. And and you could see that and that uh, was, mirrored across markets. And then when, when COVID really um, hit and impacted us all, sales were just all over the place, just spikes and dips, you know, just really um, kind of chaotic and hard to find patterns. And now it's kind of starting to stabilize a bit more. So you're seeing things that um, are, I think, going to be pretty permanent, uh, stuff like um, time of day purchases, uh, you know, as people are moving to more remote work and, and even as, as like um, office businesses open up, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more flexibility with work from home for a long time. People are able to shop in the mornings, in the afternoons, you know, not after work. Normally sales would spike towards the end of the day, you know, 5, 6 p.m. on a weekday as people are leaving the office and heading home, maybe on their commute, going to a store. Now you're seeing those sales kind of uh, sprinkling throughout the day. So a little bit earlier, Um, you're seeing different uh, purchase behavior with delivery versus in-store. Uh, you know, a delivery, like just to look at California, like a delivery order pre-tax is about $86 and you compare that to an in-store, it's about $62, right? So they're spending more. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, you're on a website, you're kind of, you know, at your own pace, doing your research, adding things to cart, um, you know, and checking out versus maybe being in a store, 
uh, you know, being in a line or maybe you're hurried in the store because you don't want to be in there for too long. And you're just right. kind of like, I'll take this, take that. Uh, so the baskets are, are a little bit smaller. And then like what people are actually purchasing is changing too. We're seeing things like beverages up like 40% for delivery orders versus in-store pickup. So stuff that maybe you, you wouldn't notice when you walk into a store, maybe beverages behind a counter, kind of not, not visible. Maybe bud tenders not pushing to beverages. Maybe it's on the website for the store. You know, for whatever reason, people are, are gravitating more towards uh, different categories, you know, edibles, uh, a lot of inhalable products are down, right? Pre-rolls, more of the social kind of cannabis consumption, you know, do you get a pre-roll and you might share with a group of friends, you know, that's not, not the case anymore, really hard to do that with social distancing. Yeah. Also, um, you know, it's, it's an inhalable, right? And, and COVID is uh, an issue that affects respiratory systems. So people are looking at things like edibles and edible sales actually are up um with all of this you know about uh and i want to ask about that after the break because that is a point point and we have actually talked about on the program the issues that some people have talked about when it comes to um if inhalables are going to be still something that people are going to still be cognizant of because of certain products that are going to be out there you know sanitizing whatever devices you might use or if pre-rolls are going to be much more common or if people are just going to want to go ahead and not you know obviously don't want to go and share anymore those kind of issues come into play and I'd, i i can imagine there'll be a number of variables when it comes to california we talk to those that are doing delivery right now that have seen an ex, a, a definite expanse right now in the space we spoke with a uh, christian shank with with driven that definitely attests to that and just talking about how much expansion how much he's had to bring in in terms of uh, extra staff and resources to go ahead and keep up with the demand uh, and also in well, before we go to break i want to ask if you're able to go and see definitely the true contrast between those states that have been deemed essential and those that have not and then also those that have uh that we're starting to see the reopening for like say for medical cannabis in florida or say if in nevada how big of a difference there is if you've been able to see state by state differences yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the as, as states are opening up, it's still a little early to tell. Um, I think a lot of the programs are, are, I mean, a lot of the states that are opening um, that I'm familiar with, um, you know, might have smaller <laughs> cannabis programs, you know, not so much like the West Coast right now, yeah. Um, yeah. where you see, you know, more sales kind of happening for adult use. But yeah, certainly medical, like in, in Massachusetts, where, you know, medical remained essential, but adult use was was closed. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe adult use is coming back in about a week, uh, you know, towards the end of May, um, which should be interesting, you know, to see kind of if there's a significant pent up demand, people didn't have access or if they're getting access in other ways. So kind of jury's out on how that'll that'll happen. But I'd imagine we'd see, you know, a rush back to uh the stores i'm surprised massachusetts even if they wouldn't even offer curbside deliver or, or curbside pickup things like that i'm surprised that wasn't allowed for adult use that's really odd to see that it really is it's it's very much against the grain uh compared to all the other markets and uh even in in markets like canada ontario which is the most populated province in canada about 45 percent <clears> of the population lives yes. in ontario uh, they closed um they closed all cannabis businesses but it only lasted about a week uh, and then they reopened them, deemed them essential. And when they did close them, to be fair, Ontario does have an online OCS store. So you could order and get it delivered uh, in the mail, um, you know, which is a limitation that we have in the U.S. because of federal position. But 
uh, they did realize, you know, we need to keep these stores open. We need to keep uh, keep ac allowing access for the consumer. Uh, so really unfortunate that Massachusetts did that. They did uh, allow medical, which is, you know, some some consolation, I suppose. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of an impact for the operators that were adult use. So they're all eager to come back and hopefully the consumers are eager to, to go and purchase. It's been a roller coaster. When you think about the fact that all these businesses were not able to go ahead and apply for the SBA's paycheck protection. So they couldn't get that. I think what was one company was able to get that, if any. And then on top of that, or there was one that did, and then were, they applied, but then the money ran out, so they had to reapply. Other than that, everyone else is on your own. And there's no support, and you would think that the governors of some of these states, the tax revenue that they direly need right now, like this is where I wonder where Gavin Newsom's coming in, he was already asking, first of all, about last year, this time last year, about not getting enough tax revenue. So you're going to cut that pipeline off when you have, I mean, even, I mean, delivery is going to be helpful, but I would still think there's got to be certain, we have those businesses being deemed essential and be able to go ahead and get that out there. That same thing for Colorado, just, I just see all these variables and I'm saying to myself, the cannabis business industry should have been as a whole treated almost like how farmers are going to be treated like. If those are essential, make that in the same deemed. Everybody should have been in, in lockstep with that. That's just my opinion. But uh, no, anyway, uh, I'm here with the CEO of Headset, Cy Scott, here on Blunt Business. Coming back after the break, I want to go through some highlights of the report, talk about customer purchases, purchases, uh, the issues about ingestibles you brought up. I want to bring that up coming up as well. Um, flower versus vapes. Let's talk all about that coming up after this brief message. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com, Protus Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 
garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with Sia Scott, the CEO of Headset here on Blunt Business. And one of going to look at a couple of the highlights in a weekly report that you are now putting out for people. Again, just to go ahead and reset for everybody. Uh, Headset is right now we're delivering an ongoing weekly report to make sense of the impacts to legal cannabis sales. Real quickly, um, on the website, where can people go ahead and see that information? Uh, you can find us on headset.io. Uh, so you can read more about this report we're discussing, but we also publish a lot of blog uh, posts and industry reports that are freely available, and, and a number of those touch on the COVID impact. So you're, you can see some of these highlights uh, that we're discussing there as well. Yeah, I see it's a, it's a real-time blog, live blogging. You're updating it pretty regularly. I've been seeing that. Now, uh, getting to the point now, customer consumer purchases of premium eights or 3.5 grams of flour have remained constant despite the economic impact on the cannabis consumer's wallet. One could hypothesize that consumers would begin shifting their eighth purchases to lower price items given the possibility of a smaller budget, but this is yet to occur. So are you surprised that flower purchases have remained steady? I guess part of it could be the panic buying that would be in the play initially, but um, are you surprised that it has remained steady given the possible hesitance to smoking? We were just talking about the idea of inhalables. Do people want to continue to keep inhaling products at this point? Yeah, it's a it's a funny thing, you know, it varies market to market and there's just different dynamics, different operators, um, you know, different processors in these different markets and the kind of product assortment. Uh, When I think about a consumer, you know, a consumer in Washington (laughs) state might not be that different than a consumer in Colorado, Um, you know, similar cultures in a lot of ways. so it is interesting to see kind of some of the disparity because in markets like, um, you know, California and Washington, um, you know, we, we really saw like a decline in inhalables um, and, it, and a growth in, in non-inhalables. So the edibles, um, you know, capsules, uh, things like that. And, and a lot of it, you know, we, we chalk up to like the respiratory situation and uh, the fact that pre-rolls are such a social um, component uh, but then in markets like Colorado and Nevada, you actually do see things like inhalable sales are up. And a lot of it's driven by flour, to your point, like eighth sales. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, you know, while like Nevada, for example, right, the Nevada pre-rolls are down, vapor pins are down. Um, you know, I think we can chalk that up to uh, very much like tourism. You know, pre-rolls and vapor pins are convenient uh, products uh, when you're visiting a, a new market. Um but, you know, flour uh, in Colorado is really driving inhalable category growth. And, and historically, Colorado has been a very flour-centric market. Um, and it could be, you know, most likely it's being in, inhaled. But, you know, there's other things you can do with flour. You can do your own extractions. Uh, you could potentially make your own edibles. Um, but most likely it's being inhaled. So it is an interesting um, thing that we're trying to figure out. The... Uh, you know, as far as price point and, you know, more expensive products, I think you're right, or more sales, it's it's definitely a bit in the panic buying. And I think that uh, if we move into some sort of recession long term uh, in this country, I think that you're going to see uh, cannabis be pretty resilient, um, very similar to what like an alcohol uh, industry has shown in like the last recession. Um, not that alcohol is a one to one parallel with cannabis by any means, but, you know, as a proxy, uh, alcohol, for example, you saw sales uh, do really well for lower priced products, lower priced 
alcohol brands, the premium alcohol brands, you know, suffered a bit in the recession. And, and the right. same thing could be said for cannabis, where premium brands may may struggle a bit more as people look for, you know, lower price products. But in, in a lot of ways, you know, the industry has been a bit driven by lower price products, you know, uh, high potency for, for better or worse. And so we just expect to see more of that going forward. Alcohol.org actually made a point, and I've mentioned this on the program as well, that was a real big spike year to year for alcohol sales in the same way. But that's the whole idea. If you're going to have people quarantine, and for those who are going to be staying in quarantine now for a duration, for them not to be able to gonna have access to cannabis, if you're going to have the same thing said for alcohol, that, that should be essential items that you should be able to go and have, which is really, that's just what's unfortunate is that fact that people, I mean, I, there's going to be people that are going to feel fine if they're going to be confined to their homes and they can inhale from there because if they're not going to go out that much and have too much outdoor time, then that's fine. They can definitely feel comfortable uh, with what might happen to them, but they're really just a matter of, are people going to be more of the health conscious right now because of the coborn co morbidities oh, god it's a hard word to say because that's what we've been saying from all the cases of people being affected for those who are being directly you know fatally being uh, affected by it that's where people are worried about so it's just like can you still keep consuming along and keep your health it's been the biggest issues right. now let's get to ingestibles so i have been talking to guests about ingestibles lately rolling store reported that novel technology has allowed beverage startups to create better tasting weed tonics beers teas and Aperitifs. I don't know what that is. Reaching casual consumers looking for an alternative to alcohol. Some of these magazine writers, they want to be, they want to just pull out their their, their <laughs> Roger's thesaurus and start getting crazy, right? Uh, <laughs> compare with flour or vapes, the cannabis beverage market is small, but it's growing. Now, we talked about this cannabis beverage market report. We had you on the show last year from 2019, which said that the cannabis drink market doubled over the past two years, currently worth $3 million. At that point, about 1.4% of the overall sales. But when it comes to oral consumption, edibles still prevail as the method of choice with 12% of overall cannabis sales, according to that report. You said this, quote, since there's very little competition with the cannabis drink space, companies are looking for a way in, end quote. Your firm also found that there's an unusually high proportion of those sales that can be attributed to edibles and you cited Kiva Confections, a California-based maker of popular Camino brand gummies, had a 33% jump week-to-week sales during that same period. And the following week, sales of edibles more than doubled. So more than ever, ultimately, do you see the market looking to be prioritized by edibles and adjustables more than it will be inhalables at this point? Is it safe to say now that's where... Because that was one thing I've, I've quoted before, I felt like we were going to get to that point where we're going to have that turnover where edibles and ingestibles were going to be more priority. Is that where we are now? I think so. I think there's a couple, a couple of things that are driving that. Uh, certainly the situation we're in and all those things we touched on around, um, you know, safety of, of consumption and just kind of, you know, keeping your lungs healthy. Um, but also, um, access uh, to more more variety of products, um, more exposure. And, and that takes time, you know, flour as a product, uh, relatively straightforward to produce, uh, you know, beverages, edibles, you know, require recipes, production, uh, often kitchens, you know, that are, that are up to code and so on. Uh, so it takes more time and, and you see more and more adoption as, as the markets mature. 
Um, in a market like Canada, for example, they only recently introduced, you know, um, what they call 2.0, which is, you know, beverages and edibles to their market. So it took them about a, well over a year uh, before they even rolled out any products or anything was available in a legal market. So I think you have kind of those two forces that are combining. Um, and we are seeing, you know, a, a shift. Um, you know, when I when I mentioned delivery and, and beverages are up 40 percent um, in, in baskets now 40 percent when you when you're speaking just raw percentage growth for a small uh, category uh, market share like beverage is doing you know one to two percent of all sales and you know you get big swings right 40 percent sounds like a big number but it's still a relatively small um, segment but it, it it's growing and it's growing much faster now like all of a sudden mm-hmm. over the last handful of months you're seeing some significant growth and when you combine beverages and edibles and all the other non-inhalable products, um, tinctures, topicals, all of that, it's up, you know, about 8% since February. So that's a big shift um, to just all of a sudden happen. So there's definitely, you know, some, some attribution that's going to the kind of situation we're in with COVID. So it is, it is accelerating that. And hopefully, you know, it uh, brings new consumers to these types of brands and these products and these formats and kind of opens up um, new opportunities for the businesses that are, you know, producing products like this. Excellent. Well, again, I'm here with the CEO of Headset, Cy Scott here on Blunt Business. Coming back, we're going to go ahead and talk about a new platform that you have uh, released. I want to, It's a premium uh, version called Retailer Premium. We're going to talk about that coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We we're tuning up in the dressing room and Tom said, man, I'm really One Toke Over the Line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hem Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Empire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being bring the body back to homostasis and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Hempire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Hempire. 
I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Back with final questions with Cy Scott, CEO of Headset here on Blunt Business. Again, the website is headset.io if you want to go and take a look at that while we're going through this. As I go ahead and point out, you recently announced the release of Retailer Premium. Building off of the free version of Retailer Insights, it offers four new models designed to take a deeper look at the factors that drive success for business owners. And the modules, just to list them real quick, are basket analysis, demand planning, marketing, and customer analysis. Take me through the platform and tell me what people are going to be looking at that they're going to see that's going to, be, that's going to make the premium uh, much more of a viable offering. Yeah, that's right. So everything at Headset starts with retailers and dispensaries. And that's where we uh, source all this data that we're talking about. You know, we work with our, our retail partners and cooperators. And then in aggregate, we, we understand what's going on in the market and uh, get that information out um, to, to our audience. So retailer premium is our first foray into uh, some more sophisticated reporting, um, really around things um, having to do with the, their customer makeup. So like who their customer is really understanding uh, their customer uh, demographic, uh, customer behavior. So what are they purchasing? How are they purchasing things together? Uh, and then understanding uh, their marketing efforts. You know, retailers spend a lot of money to get people into the door. You know, that's really one of the drivers of, of their business. You know, between that and pricing and assortment, you know, it's kind of, you've got everything kind of sorted as a retailer. So really measuring those marketing efforts. So if you're spending on advertising, um, you know, how how effective is that advertising is, is really what retailer premium uh, touches on. So at a high level, you know, it's really better understanding demand planning for pricing and promotions, you know, to optimize kind of your, your assortment, um, really understanding what's driving those higher transactions, those larger baskets for your customers, and how can you how can you keep um, growing that transaction, that, that basket size and educate your staff uh, to help drive that? Um, and then, yeah, ultimately understanding, you know, where you're spending money to drive uh, people to your door. Is that working? Like, should yeah. you be doubling down in certain channels and maybe pulling back from other channels? Um, the retailer premium product really uh, includes all of that. So with the uh, our original retailer product, uh, premium just gives you a better view into, you know, your operations and, really hopefully helping you uh, make more informed decisions and, and ultimately be more successful as a, a retailer dispensary. I can only imagine right now where any advertising or marketing has to be done strictly digital right now, because it's gotta be hard to go and do anything brick and mortar at all. I, I've talked to some people in the program about how they've had to actually opt to send out more free samples than anything else, because the chance to sampling and really letting people go and do a little test try of what they have. It's just not available right now. So there are no festivals, no conferences, nowhere to go to go ahead and promote themselves. Virtual is only going to go. It's going to it's going to be significant, but it's that physical. If you have a product you want to showcase, and you have no place to present it and to display. It's got to be tough, or get somebody to it so they can go ahead and see it for themselves, get a feel for it, try it if they can. Those kind of areas are going to be tough. But again, Sai, I'm glad you get all this great information. Really. Glad to have you on to bring you on when it comes to all the analytics. A lot of granularity that we really like because of the fact of, again, it's amazing in just the last two years as we've talked on these reports, the biggest differences we're seeing right now and the changes. And, you know, obviously with this ongoing report you're doing right now, I can only imagine what you're seeing as the evolution of this where a disruption like a pandemic 
really changes the way this really just really moves the pendulum as to where this industry is going to go. It's amazing. And then besides how the industry, we're going to see how it's going to change in between time. We'll keep an eye on what you're doing with the report there on your website. I also would imagine what other outlying factors are going to be amplified or pushed forward in terms of what we might see in terms of any help with banking or federal regulations, things like that. That would also help the industry as a whole. Uh, real quickly, again, to let people know how they can go to that weekly report that is reported and being re- updated every week, tell people where they can go to, to go check that out and where they can also follow Headset. Sure, you can uh, find everything on our website at headset.io. There we go. And we're also, yeah, on, on the t- typical social media channels, you can find us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, headset underscore IO. Asai Scott, thank you so much again for coming on. I know... Uh, we're glad to have you on. I know that we've had you on the NCIA show as well. It's been really great to have you on once again, and we'll definitely keep in touch. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, my pleasure. And thanks again for joining us, listeners, for joining us for another edition of Blunt Business. We'll come back again next week for another great show. Meantime, make sure to go ahead and subscribe and check to all the past episodes we've done. Uh, that We've had hundreds of shows so far. I hope you go ahead and I implore all of you to go ahead and check out CannabisReader.com, look for the show Blunt Business, and again, subscribe to the show wherever you find podcasts. We are there. We'll talk to you next week. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.